Welcome to the Healing the City podcast. The following podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you wish to support the Healing the City podcast, you can go to the show notes, click support the show, and you can become a subscriber for three, five, or ten dollars a month. This will help offset the hosting costs and continue the ministry of Healing the City podcast. Also, if you wish to support the show, we really encourage you to rate us on Apple and Spotify and other places that podcasts are listened to, and give us a good review. Thanks. The following podcast is an interview of Dave Rucker, a member of the Village Church. This podcast is one of three. So mid-1984, or not mid-1984, mid-80s, 1984-ish, you're doing this. Where's your uh, cerebral palsy at, kind of in the sense of your physical mobility and all that kind of stuff? Well, I had crutches at the time. Okay. And I worked with crutches, and and, uh, the braces were gone. Okay. And And was that when you started karate, too? Were you doing karate at the time, or did that come later? No, no. No, that came later. Okay. Um, After... About three and a half years, I left the ministry for different reasons. Um, it just wasn't going in the direction that um, that I thought it should go, and um, they weren't. I had worked in the school, the business office. That was pretty horrendous too, because my math skills are bad. Um, so I got a job. I'm working at a residential treatment center for emotionally disturbed kids. Okay. Um, from all over, mostly the city. And uh, I would hitchhike to work and hitchhike back home. Um, I, in fact, I lived in a town at that point for a year. For the first, like, six months I worked there at the town I grew up in, which was, like, 30 miles away. So I was hitchhiking 60 miles a day. <laughs> so I eventually moved into the town where the school was. But I continued working there and um I faced some issues and kind of backslid like I was telling um somebody in church on Sunday that the verse train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he won't depart from it. That was that kind of was me. It doesn't say what you go, it's going on in the middle, you know. And I was doing good, and I just I took weird paths. So, and but, when you say weird paths, you know what, what happened? What? Drinking. You know, I got involved with a band. You know, um, so the whole the whole band lifestyle. Uh, not as much as some others, but yeah. Okay. Um, we were good, but we played in places like two weeks in a row, somebody threw a tear gas grenade in it. And and what kind of style of music? We're talking mid eighties. We're in New York. So we're talking sort of alternative kind of stuff. Blues. Oh, blues. Okay. Heavy metal. Oh, so kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you were singing, I'm assuming. I sang, I played guitar. Okay. Um, I, I wrote music too, but. I, I, you know, it. it I, I kind of had stage fright too, so it took a lot to get me out there um, on stage. So 
Yeah, they'd kind of drag me off. I'd take my glasses off, put on sunglasses, and somebody would go to my guitar player, who was a friend of mine, and we lived together at the time. So he'd think he's Jim Morrison or something, and he didn't want to tell them I was scared to death. So he was like, yes, yes, he thinks he is. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Jesus kind of took the back, back seat for a while, and... Yeah. How long did that kind of... Like, when did Jesus sort of grab you by the back of the neck and shake you around? When somebody, well, I had gone to the church that I, I was fellowshipping with, was a Baptist church in the town where the uh, residential treatment center was. And the pastor of the church had worked in, at the mission that I had worked with. So I knew him. And so I had started going there, and he kind of grabbed me, and I, I started fellowshipping there, and... and uh, and was fellowshipping there when I worked at the mission too. So he kind of grabbed me in the diner one day and and dragged me. <laughs> You're not doing good, you know. Do this, do this. And uh, so yeah, I'm in recovery now. So working on that. So was, let's let's just for a helpful timeline. So you worked how long in the uh, recovery place in the. From no, the resident mid, treatment, yeah, uh, fourteen and a half years. So from nineteen mid eighties all the way to almost two thousand. Yeah, yeah, into two thousand because it 2000. was the end of two thousand, uh, the eighties. I started. Okay, and and uh, so, um, how did you then end up here in Tucson from all the way on the other side of the United States? Well, you know, I I was ministering in different churches at that point, but. Um, you asked me about martial arts. Well, this guy had come up to me in a local diner one day, and he goes, do you want to learn martial arts? Well, and this is like what? Talking it, mid-90s? 80. Oh, eight. 80. Oh. Well, 80, 88. 88, okay. So. And he, he walked, he wanted to learn martial arts. Well, I grew up during the, the time of Bruce Lee, who didn't want to right, learn. Right, sure, What, what male guy didn't want to learn martial arts? He goes, well, show up in my dojo at 7.30 on Monday. So I said, Sure. And the first class I got to watch, and one of the black belts thought they they could like beat this old, you know, sensei who was like an ex Navy SEAL, you know, four tours of Vietnam kind of thing, and and it, he ended up getting his nose broken, blood all over the floor, and the sensei runs up to me, oh, don't let that worry you, don't let that worry you, and I said, I'm not worried, it's not my nose. So I stayed, um, and so right before I moved to Tucson. So we're talking twelve, thirteen years of martial arts, right? You're a black belt by then. I right? was, yeah. Well, I was actually I was granted my secondary black belt before I moved here, and the 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 idea was I was going to open up a dojo here in Tucson. Okay. That never happened, um, but. <sighs> I, I could never find a church that I was comfortable in. Once you got here? Until I got here. Oh, until... You know, once I got to Tucson. Oh, okay. So the churches that you were in, in New York, you were never quite comfortable. Um, I, I, I've joined two churches. I've become a member of two churches in, in my entire life. And one was where my best friend Paul went and grew up when I was at CW Post. But it was really, really strict. I worked in probably throughout my life 
75 to 100 different churches, but I've never become a member. It's usually with the kids, and um, and I usually got, you know, it was chosen to do, like, the preteen kind of thing, um, kids, and, uh, because people would just ask me, like, the last church I worked in was an Assembly of God church in, in in New York. And the youth pastor came up to me one day and was like, Dave, you work with kids, could you help? And I started going there only because I thought to myself that I really should go to the church where they want, they need my help. Not because I really, like, wanted to join. And I just never found, when I moved here, I just never found one. So, before we head down that road, why, well, you came here to start a dojo? Was that the point coming to Tucson? Yes. And what what was kind of some of the reasons why there isn't the Rutger Dojo? Um, the financial things. The people I moved here with. Um, why did you move here, by the way? Uh, just for the dojo, or there had to be other reasons? No, well, I was turning 41, and I I thought to myself, you know, even though I'm walking, I'd worked out hard enough that the crutches were gone, I need, only needed a cane, but I thought to myself, I'm getting older, you know? I don't really like the cold. It's not going to get any easier to, in the wintertime to go along ice and snow, and... The female of the couple I moved here with painted Tucson as the next Eden, you know. Mm-hmm. The weather's beautiful, people are nicer, and her husband and I were both guys, of course, and he went, the women are prettier. I'm like, all right. And my happy place is like the ocean and the beach. Well, Tucson has a lot of beach, but they have no ocean. And, you know, and so we got there, we got here, and like three months later, like, she hated it and wanted to leave. <laughs> we were like, okay. But it just kind of all kinds of financial things and different things. It, the dojo just never opened. <laughs> okay. So this is your 41, so that means you've been here in Tucson for what? how many years have you been here? You're, how old are you now? 56? I'm turning 64 in January. Well, look, I gave you, I gave you uh, like six years. Good job. Hey, hey Eric, you know, <laughs> I was being kind. I'm <laughs> no, I, I'm, you know, the things I've done that I probably shouldn't have done. You know, I'm, I'm proud to be turning my age. All right, so, so you've been here then, man, 24 years almost, except for a year in Dallas, Fort Okay. So you're here. So what are you doing all that time here in Tucson? Um, I worked with a company called Opinion Research Corporation. We did market research for some big, really big corporations. Okay. Um, CDC, the CDC, Subway, CNN. Okay, and you're just basically calling, asking people questions, collecting yeah, data, cold, for, cold calling, for studies and stuff like that. Um. I really was bad at it at first, but then, because I wouldn't lie, people would go, oh, this is my last survey of the day, and you'd have to keep people on the phone for, like, 
at some point, right. hour, uh, like an hour. And I wouldn't lie. And they say, well, you have to lie. I said, no, I'm not going to lie. But I became good enough to become a supervisor. I don't know how, you know, in most of my jobs, for some reason, I, I have no idea what I do. But the Lord blessed that they made me supervisor at most of my jobs. So <laughs> I did that for years. Um, how long did you work in that? Until they moved to Reno in 2008. Okay. Then I moved for... A, worked at APAC, which, which I was horrible at, actually. What is APAC? APAC worked did all the um, the the um, financial things and repair work for Verizon. Okay, so at this point, so two thousand eight. Right now, we're sitting in twenty twenty three. Two thousand eight. You're still walking on a cr- with crutch. I mean, with a cane. Yeah, until I tore my left rotator cuff. Which was when. Uh, 2008-ish. Okay, so right about that time is when you yeah. told, How did you do that? I fell. Okay, yeah, that's... And the doctor was like, oh, we're going to put you in a wheelchair. And I thought, oh, one of those really chazzy, you know, like sports wheelchairs, you can just, you know, fold up and chuck around. Well, <laughs> obviously, you can see this not one of those fold things that you can fold up and chuck around. Um... So 2008, you're working for APEC for how long? About a year and a half. Okay. So. But then I then, then I thought to myself, I have no insurance. Financially, I, I'm free of everything. The money's mine. But I have no, like, medical insurance. And so in 2011, I decided, I said, I'm going to file for disability. Because with disability, you get Medicare. And I'd been on disability when I first moved here. I'd never been in disability before. And so, but when I couldn't find a job, I wanted to help out with the people I was living with. So I filed for disability. And they said, okay. When I first filed for it, they said, okay, um, if you find a job, call us. Well, I did had found that job in between what well, before they applied and you know before they the disability came through and I said well it's part time on call because opinion research was part time on call some days you work three hours some weeks you work three hours oh as long as it's part time on call you're fine the lady told me at Social Security moved to Texas got a letter I'm mean, sitting here in Dallas sitting in Dallas get a letter. So from Social Security, they said, you owe us $47,000. We want it in 10 days. No. Well, the people I was living with, they went berserk. I just started to laugh. They were like, why are you laughing? And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Write them a check? You know. And so I came back here because I could get the job back at at opinion research, they came back too. They 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 left, but I stayed and and. So so just to backtrack so people could follow, like this is the couple you came originally with, came here with, and then you guys moved to Texas for a little bit, and yeah. then, then you came back here. They left. You're right. still here. You're now working for opinion research. Social Security owes you you telling you they you owe them forty seven. Right, and and so. 
you know, any kind of tax return or anything like that went to pay the forty-seven thousand dollars. So, two thousand eleven. Here I am. I'm, I apply for disability again, and and they they were like, "You owe us X amount of money." You know, we can't do this. We can't. And so, you have to start paying us back. So, they they did approve it, and some you know. Money is coming out of my check every month to pay for it. The the back O thing. I don't I don't even know what how much I own still. Um, but anyway, because they granted me Social Security. Um, so this is 2011. Yeah, and I was involved with Kodak at that point because of some mental illness issues of my own, but. Um, that were only diagnosed when I was like 46. Um, so, you know, that went on for a while, but the medication that they were giving me for the mental illness all of a sudden just collapsed. And at the time, it was at Kodak. I met... When you say it collapsed, what do you mean? I couldn't do anything for myself. Okay. Oh, so the the, the, the side effects of the medication... <laughs> right. I all of a sudden couldn't do anything for myself, and which was pretty distressing considering I'd I done things for myself all my life. Right. But God allowed me to meet, when I was at Kodak, one of the maintenance guys. And so I had moved out of the place I was staying. It was run by Kodak, and they put me in a place that I couldn't even get in. With your wheelchair. <laughs> With my wheelchair. Yeah. And all I had was the maintenance phone, you know, the maintenance number. And my friend Steve happened to be the guy that had it that night. So he came out and with one of the guys he knew and built a ramp into my apartment. But then, you know, they also ran a trailer park. So I eventually bought a trailer and... Jenny, his wife, was my landlord, and he was the maintenance guy. But then, like I said, about 2019, the psych meds that I was on took away my ability to do anything, and they put me in a rehab center trying to teach me to do these things again, and it just wasn't work. The insurance kind of was like, well, he'd been here 10 days. We're going to put him in a nursing home, and Jenny is a CNA, so they went home, she went home, She and they had a family meeting, and I moved in with them. Uh, she became my caregiver. And this was before they bought the house down before the street? They, yeah. So this is a, at the trailer park? Yeah, at the trailer park. Okay. Um, and it was some, and trailer parks had the type of life, people have the type of lifestyle people, some people at trailer parks have, and there was trouble, and they were going to wait to buy a house. Well, it was during COVID, and God bless them. Honestly, you know, their their mortgage was approved in, you know, a month and a half as compared to, you know, some other times, and they found this house. and There was enough bedrooms for me to have one for me, and I've lived here ever since. That's really sweet. That's really that they 
they have been Jesus to you in so many ways. In so many ways, yeah. And you you live in community. I live in community. It's not always easy, you know. But I mean, and it's not always their fault or my fault or whatever it, or your fault or and your roommate's fault or whatever. It's just you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so. I think actually when I was thinking about the, the correct dates, I think you came to the village in 2021 because 2020, there was no Easter. Right, right. <laughs> it was 2021. Yeah. It was Easter 2020. It was definitely Easter. <laughs> yeah, it was Easter 2021. And uh, so you said that this is the, to backtrack, the village for you was maybe the first church where you ever felt comfortable in. Yeah, because... You celebrate you, you you celebrate creativity. You 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 know, and 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 all these things that you know, you don't like. There's no you don't have to wear a suit and tie. You don't have to do. You can look like you and I. You know, you're sitting here in shorts, and I'm sitting. You know, it's. Do you kind of you feel accepted the way you are? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think I told you once there's there's an attraction of gypsies and bikers and the weird, the off, the people that people wouldn't accept. I I kind of gravitate. <laughs> I feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't dress necessarily, you know, the way other people dress. Right. Like Mark's daughter came up to me one time, just about this time of year, and because I'm usually, you know, in sweats or leisure pants, which basically are, you know, let's face it, are pajama pants. And Sersha came up, and she was, like, really excited to see me, and she went, Mr. David, you're wearing jammy pants to church. You know, all shocked, and I was like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> Who would have thought? Like, you know, pajama pants would be fashionable. You know, you can actually wear them in public. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to go to the college campuses these days, <laughs> right? You know, right? You know, it, yeah. No, I get. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That there's just a come as you are. Offer what you have. Yeah. And uh, I was looking to, for a place to volunteer, and you took, you t- talked to Corey, and and I ended up going to Agape and, and volunteering there. But then I thought, I need a balance. Yeah, because, you know, hospices are people at the end of life. And so I started signing up for, like, Kids' mans and kids' vespers because it's the beginning of life, and it's like you know, it's just been a blessing. I really. You've been listening to part two of the interview with Dave Rucker. Stay tuned for part three next week.